Hi guys, and welcome back to You Don't Wanna Know, the podcast. So welcome back, so glad you're here, missed you dearly. Um, I don't want to brag, but it has been two weeks and I am on time, so here I am bragging, but that's fine. I just, I want to be consistent. So here I am being consistent. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I know I said that I was going to fix Instagram last week or two weeks ago, and I did not, but I plan on fixing it within the next two days. So keep your eyes peeled on that because I know all of you guys are just rushing to see that stuff. So that would be um, YDWK podcast on Instagram. Um, if you want to email me, I might as well just plug it right now, ydwkpodcast at gmail.com. And on Facebook, it's just you don't want to know, even though you're looking it up, so you clearly do want to know. Uh, I think that's all I have for that. Um, so I got to see the movie Oppenheimer. It was a three-hour movie, guys. The last three-hour movie watch- I watched was Batman, and I was like nodding off because three hours is a long time to sit down, especially when you feel like you're 46. Not, I'm not actually 46, but I feel like it, and I might be pushing 52. I don't know. But yeah, that was a long one, but it was good. It was really good. But I do have one question. Why are movies being edited in such a way that is just so rushed? Because I feel like I felt this way with The Flash. I felt this way with Morbius. Is that it? Yeah, Morbius. I think that's what it's called. It was just so quick, you know? It's like you cut the scene into the middle of their conversation. And then the music, too. It just feels like it's constantly building and building and building. Like there was a scene where he was meeting with this girl in a hotel room. I'm not spoiling anything. But they were in there and they went to the middle of their conversation and I was like, "Uh, we're missing stuff, guys. We're going too fast. Slow down. The music is just so intense. There was one scene where there was no music and I almost like felt relaxed (laughs) because the whole time you're like, okay, this is important. Like the music, it's, it's important. But finally they just had the one scene where there was no music and I was like, okay, I feel like I can just sit back and absorb this. So I'm getting a little worried because it's just going to the movies used to be this very calm. Well, (laughs) here I am a horror fan saying this, but it used to be like this calm, enjoyable experience. And now I'm just like not relaxed at all, you know? So I hope that's not what's happening. But um, Oppenheimer, I'm sure you guys all know what it's about. The Manhattan Project, all that great stuff, I guess. That might be poor choice of words, Um, but it was very well casted, a very good acting, a very interesting story altogether. Um, There were things that I was not expecting to be a part of the movie, um, but it did a really great job. I really appreciated it. As uh, time goes on and I continue to look at social media, I realized that the Barbie movie is like crazy trending. I don't think I'm going to be able to jump onto that boat per se, but I know people around me will, so I will get all the information I need about that movie from a third party. 
so we're just gonna leave it at that like okay so uh, really quick i don't understand what that movie is even about it's always like from the dawn of creation women have had these little dolls or whatever and then at the bar the big barbie comes out and that's like all i've ever seen from it you know and then when the movie came out i see that the barbies are going to the real world or some crap like that i guess not crap you can like it but i just i only now as the movie the opening weekend is gone realize that like the movie has something behind it that might be good but now i'm just gonna see insidious instead which i haven't done yet guys i'm gonna try and do that tomorrow i just i'm falling behind i have so much going on but it's okay we're fine all right i think guys i think this is the last it's the last bog body in northern europe guys so we just really have to savor this okay uh the old crow crohan man so old Krog crocan i think i don't know old crogan man was found in 2003 while excavators were cleaning a drain in a bog oh clearing sorry uh, clearing a drain in a bog near the local town of Dygeen in Ireland. Like Grobal Man, which I still don't think I'm saying right, Old Krogan Man was also brutally murdered. <laughs> I feel like I said that with the wrong fluctuation of my voice, sorry. Stabbed in the chest, disemboweled, decapitated, and staked to the bottom of the bog between 350 and 175 B.C., Unlike Grubel Man, he is believed to be a person of wealth and status. He had manicured hands and his last meal consisted of grain and oats. So you know he's doing it up fancy with that grain and oats. Based on these observations, researchers in the National Museum of, Museum, geez, Museum of Ireland think that old Grogan Man could have been a failed king, a royal contender, or a sacrifice to the fertility gods just drama guys there's just so much drama in these bogs here we go ah the best i don't know where to throw this but i whatever i was aiming at i didn't make it okay guys now that you got your dose of the bog body maybe i should just always look up bog body facts because i'm sure there's a million of them just never end Let's get to why we're really here. This is a true crime episode, or yeah, I guess true crime episode is not incorrect, but I was going to say, this is a true crime podcast and that's why we're here. So let's get uncomfortable. So I don't know why I keep being drawn to these abusive cases. Um, this is more of a kidnapping, but it's a tough one. So it's a little girl being kidnapped. Be prepared for that. But maybe it's just because the awareness is not enough and I need to spread awareness of it. So that's what I'm going to say for this one is not because I like these cases. By any means, I actually hate them, but I think it's so important to talk about them. So that's why we're doing this one. So this case is about a young Katie Beers. And we're just going to jump right into it. On December 28th of 1992... A young girl, Katie Beers, was kidnapped just two days before her birthday. She was born on December 30th. So police just right away figured these four suspects. There was the neglectful, the neglectful sorry, mother who wanted to get rid of her, the burden of her 
uh, the stressed out godmother who is taking care of her and let bad things happen to her and did bad things to her. The disgusting quote unquote uncle, and you'll understand why I put those in quotes or godfather, however you want to put it. Um, you'll understand that later. Married to the godmother who was sexually abusive or the disgusting quote unquote family friend who did the same thing as her uncle. So those are the four main suspects that the police found right away for her disappearance. Now, to learn a little bit about Katie, she was born in New York on December 30th of 1982. So she was 10, just about to be 10 years old when she was kidnapped. She started off in Long Island with her mother and half-brother, Marilyn and John. But Marilyn did not know who the father was. She just knew that she was not, it was not the same father as John. At two years old, Marilyn would leave the kids, so John and Katie, with their godmother, Linda Inglinger, I think is how you pronounce it, and her husband, Sal. So Marilyn, she said that her godparents would not give the babies back. They just refused to return them, and that's why she never took care of them. That's her side of the story. Who knows if it's true? Um, I don't, obviously, but that's just what she said. But she was really never with her kids, ever. So Linda, what a gem she was, she would make Katie do all of this cooking and cleaning and all kinds of chores, just maintaining this house. And this house was just disgusting. I'm not sure if she did the same thing for John. I would assume that she did the same thing for John, but I can't say for sure. She was just very abusive towards Katie, and I'm assuming John as well. Um, one time Linda and Sal were going to the movies and they just decided to not take care of Katie and they just locked her in a pantry for the entire time and then let her out once they got back. Like she's a dog or something like that. Just horrible. I feel like you should treat a dog better than that, but I don't know. Just disgusting. And they would also put out cigarettes on her, which like is horrible. Like it's so dehumanizing and plus this is not like not that this makes it any better but this isn't a 10 year old girl like I know she was kidnapped when she was 10 years old and it's still horrible to do this to a 10 year old but she's a baby she's like a toddler or five years old at this point when this stuff is happening to her like she has done nothing not a single thing wrong in this world she may not have all the knowledge she needs to do things correctly but she has a pure heart and you're just killing it. It's just horrible. They wouldn't wash her. They wouldn't give her baths. And she was allowed to go to the school very seldomly, not consistently. But they wouldn't give her the right clothes. And she wouldn't, she, she wasn't brushing her teeth either. So people called her Dirty Katie because of it. Because kids are so freaking cruel. She had yellow teeth because she could never brush her teeth in the wintertime she had summertime clothes they just didn't take care of her and at one point and this is really sad they think that she had like either lice or some kind of bug in her hair so they just cut it all off basically and originally she had hair down to her waist and they just cut it all off it's really sad so that's just like the stuff that they didn't do to her or for her now the stuff they did is even worse 
So Sal was horrible, absolutely horrible, just disgusting. He was this very overweight man who is barely a human with all the things that he did. He was physically abusive towards everyone in the household. So Katie, John, and Linda, and it started as soon as they moved in. So I shouldn't say that. Um, they, they never stayed there. Oh, that was my watch. Sorry, guys. It's like there's a ghost in here and it sounds like an Australian Siri. Oh my gosh, it's recording all this stuff. Go away. Okay, sorry. Uh, what was I saying? Okay, so um, I don't remember what I was saying. Let's see, where was I? Sorry, guys. Um, so it started when she moved in right away. Like right away. It was to John, to Linda, and to Katie. Um, he just wanted power over these guys. And that's why he did all these things. He just thought this was okay, even though it was absolutely not he actually killed a cat in front of katie he just like threw it against the wall to show that he had the power and to scare her and he just had a horrible temper temper he would just go off of the slightest of things one time katie brought home a pizza that he told her to get but i guess she got the wrong kind whether that was the wrong brand or the wrong toppings and he just started beating her because of it so Katie just, her life was so hard and she just, she had a very hard time making friends too because people were so rude to her and she didn't go to school all the time. But eventually she did make a friend and we don't know the friend's name and we're not going to try and find out, but she was playing with Katie at her house. Actually, Sal was the one that encouraged that with evil intent behind it. He told them to come up to the window because they were playing outside and he exposed himself to these girls and asked if they wanted to play. So the girls got freaked out and ran away and the friend went home and told her parents what happened and her parents luckily called Child Protective Services. That's kind of when everything started to get into process of getting Sal away from Katie and all the people he was hurting because Sal was actually molesting Katie. So it started off with him and this is going to be really gross. So I'm so sorry, guys. Skip forward 30 seconds if you don't want to listen to this stuff. It started with him touching himself while she was there and then it was him touching her and then it was them touching each other and Katie is just this little baby who doesn't know what's happening. She just knows that this like isn't something she wants to do, but she doesn't understand it, which makes it all the more heartbreaking. And then when she turned seven years old, because she was a little baby when this is all happening, she finally got the courage to tell her Aunt Linda what was going on. And she basically rejected her and just called her a liar and was like, no, this is all wrong. Which quick thing, I'm going to jump on my soapbox really quick. If a seven-year-old comes up to you and talks about that stuff, believe them every time. Because where is a seven-year-old going to come up with this? They don't see this in the world unless they're just in a horrible situation. And they can't make this stuff up. So believe them. Everyone in that household, well, John and Katie, were physically, emotionally, verbally, and sexually abused. And all Katie could think about was how she just wanted to go home and be with her mom. Because when she went to school, she saw all of these kids who were with their parents and how much love and affection they got. But 
she thought that the only reason why she wasn't getting it was because she wasn't with her mom. So that's why she just really clung to that hope that maybe someday she would be with her mom and she would finally get that love. So like I said, Katie really didn't have a whole lot of friends because of just everything about her life, unfortunately, and kids are just so cruel. And that kind of led to a man named John Esposito or Big John um, coming into their life. So he was a friend of Sal and like the family friend, like I mentioned in the beginning. Um, and he was just smart, I guess, if that's even a thing you want to say about a person like him, because he was just so affectionate and gift give he gave gifts all the time and just tried to be fun and Katie saw him as a friend so he began visiting the young children and John was 43 he was a twin actually and he was a building contractor they called him big John because one there was little John Katie's brother and two he was a really big part of the big brother program he actually set up where he lived to kind of be made for kids to hang out. He had like toys and games for kids and like video games and stuff like that. Just things that he thought kids wouldn't have. He even had like a cooler with a bunch of like soda for kids, just all that stuff. But the one weird thing was that he had all these games, all these TV games, but he only had one TV and that one TV was in his bedroom. So that's a red flag. Number one, red flag, big red flag, guys. He would bring food and gifts and be really, really nice to the kids. And she just felt so safe with him. She said that her favorite time was spent with John and she trusted him. Now, he unfortunately was molesting her older brother, John, who isn't that much older than Katie. But eventually he said that John got too old and he stopped. Disgusting. That is disgusting. So fun thing about John, not so fun actually, that people would come to find out is that in 1978, John pled guilty to abducting a seven-year-old from a mall and he didn't go to jail because he pled guilty. But that doesn't stop people from letting him play with all these kids so, yeah, that's super awesome to find out that Linda and Sal probably knew this stuff and didn't stop, didn't stop him from coming over. When you really think about all the things that were going on in Katie's life, just she was dirty, she had yellow teeth, she didn't have the right clothes. It's really clear what's happening and people could see it. But the entire community was just failing these kids because they just didn't say anything. And Katie even says that people knew what was happening and they just chose to ignore it and just never reported it. But I will say, Marilyn started to step up. She filed an abuse allegation against Sal and that made him not allowed to be near Katie. So that was something because her mother was still a small part of her life. And she did do that. So things were kind of in motion. And um, Linda actually filed a restraining order against him. She was supposed to stay away. Or Esposito, I should say, was supposed to stay away from her and from Katie. And even though her mom knew what happened to Katie, what happened, Katie still went to Linda's house. 
because Linda was taking part in that abuse. And unfortunately, let's say like Linda was sleeping or something, John would show up and try and lure Katie just with him to hang out with him because he would just started becoming infatuated with Katie. This nine-year-old, like, ew, I just, I don't get it. So unfortunately, on December 28th of 1992, she was kidnapped and it was two days before her birthday, which unfortunately was the reason why she was kidnapped, which I guess was the way she was kidnapped. So it was two days before Katie's birthday and her friend that she felt safe with, safe with John, offered her, uh, offered to take her to her favorite place, which was Spaceplex, which was just like this arcade for kids but she really enjoyed it she said it was her favorite place in new york sorry i'm messing with the mic so she was so excited about it and once again she thought this guy was her friend and she felt safe with him so there they went but he first took her to toys r us where they got i think it was like a nintendo game or something like that and then they went to john's like little apartment which his apartment was kind of a garage that he converted into a living space on the property of where his house is where he grew up it's not his house though um and it was said that the family never actually like went in there because they had no reason to so it was really just like his own little area so he brought her in and they started playing video games and if you guys can remember hopefully you can sorry i don't know why i can't hold this mic correctly okay there we go I don't know if you guys can remember, but unfortunately, the only TV was in his bedroom. So, he brings her in there, and they're playing the game for a little while, and then he starts to make sexual advances towards her. Like, before, it really wasn't as, like, specifically sexual, but now it is sexual. And she got upset and just turned it down. She's like, don't touch me like that. So, he got upset and picked her up. And he starts to bring her to this closet. He opens the closet and behind that, he starts peeling back this vinyl floor. And there's like this pulley system and it opens up what ends up being a 200 pound concrete slab or whatever. It leads to this tunnel and he makes her crawl through this tunnel. It ends up being six feet long. It's mud and dirt and it ends at this like bigger room that has like a door to a smaller little area that's about the size of a coffin so he gets her in that bigger area and he's not letting katie out and he says like he pulls this um, recording device out and he tells katie what to say into it and he tells her to say aunt linda a man kidnapped me and he has a knife and oh no here he comes right now and then stops the recording that's it So he puts her into this small coffin area, locks it, and then leaves her. Um, I don't think, like, he didn't put any bondages on her, but he put her in that area. And in the coffin area, it was just a dirty, disgusting mattress. That was it. And it was completely dark. There was no windows. So at this point, he goes to Spaceplex for the first time. He goes to Spaceplex, and he makes a call on the payphone, and that's when he uses the recording that he took and then he hung up linda only hears the message on the answering machine which might be a good thing because that way it was recorded but once she heard it she says that she went to pick up the phone and of course the line cut out 
but at least it was recorded. So that's, I guess, one good thing. After he did this, he ran into the arcade in a panic, saying that he came in with Katie and now she's gone, which we know is not true. But he's trying to make his alibi. So once he kind of does his little stupid show, he finally gives up or whatever. He makes a report to the police, I guess, and then moves on with his day and he goes back to Katie. And unfortunately, this is when the horror story continues. It's horrible, 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 horrible. So he sits down with Katie and he asks if she ever had sex. And she told him the horrible things that Sal did to her. And it made him happy. Like, what the heck, guys? That's just disgusting and disturbing. He took it as experience. Like, she was an experienced person. So that's why he got excited. And unfortunately, that is when he molested her. And then he put her back into the box and left and went on with his day. So it was really just a cycle of this. He kept doing this. So Katie was alone in that coffin and she was looking for every kind of way to get out. And she noticed that the door was a little wobbly. So she started kicking that and luckily she kicked it until it finally broke. And she just went into panic mode and was like, okay, what am I going to do to defend myself? What can I do? So she finds these keys on a shelf in there and she takes one off and hides it under her pillow. And before she can have any time to think about what she's going to do, he starts to come back. So she doesn't have a way to like fix what she did or anything like that. And he just sees her there. The door's broken and he gets really upset. And then he rapes her again, unfortunately. And like I said, this is basically what happens. He will rape her or molest her. And now he has a chain around her neck. Um, unfortunately, uh, she wanted to put handcuffs on her, but she's a 10-year-old little girl. She's so skinny. They just wouldn't fit, which makes it so much more sad because she's just a little girl. And this disgusting old man is doing this to her. So he would put that chain on her put her back in there but luckily she could get out like I said it was completely pitch black she did have a bucket to go to the bathroom in but that was only in the bigger room when she was in that smaller room all she could do was go on the foot of her bed whenever he was home he'd go in and he would abuse her put the chain back on and then go on about with his day but eventually Katie well obviously she was alone with her thoughts and she had time to think And she realized that she had that key under her pillow. And somehow that was the key that unlocked her neck chain. So she was able to take that off. But she was a brilliant girl because she would count the rings that he locked her with. So like it was at the top and she would count then take it off and make sure that she would put it back on the correct way. So he could not suspect a thing. She was just brilliant. She was so smart. She also realized that this had been an ongoing thing, that he had been planning this for a long time. And the reason why she knew that was because I want to say it was like two years before this happened. She was playing in dirt outside of his apartment or his garage, whatever you want to call it. And it was the dirt that he used to dig this tunnel. So he had been planning this for a long, long time. Which is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. 
luckily and since she was able to take the chain off and go into the bigger area there was a tv there and she could watch and see what was going on and this was really her only source to like any kind of life in the world because she was all alone in this darkness so i'm just so glad she had that at least she actually saw interviews about her being missing from her mom and a couple other people and when she saw her mom it brought her so much joy and because her mom cared of course but she also realized that her mom was in so much pain or it looked like her mom was in so much pain so this really brought life into katie like she was she wanted to fight and continue to fight katie's mom actually thought that linda and sal had abducted her that was her thought because uh linda or i'm sorry uh, Marilyn was pressing charges against Sal for sexual abuse. So they thought, she thought, at least, sorry, Marilyn thought that if they got rid of Katie, the case would get dropped. So it makes sense. They took her. But obviously that was not the case. She also saw that f- the police knew that the recording was a fake and where it was placed. So there's a couple other things that the police knew. Um, It was very obvious who had done it at this point because he was the last person with them and he said that she was abducted there. The phone call was made at the um, Spaceplex and he was at the Spaceplex all alone. She never went to the arcade. The police looked and they didn't find any evidence of her there. The phone call was fake and he was there. So I guess I feel like I keep saying that, but the phone call was fake. It was made at Spaceplex and he was at Spaceplex. So very odd um she katie also ended up seeing sal's interview and this was taking place in what was her bedroom or supposed to be her bedroom unfortunately katie was forced to sleep on the couch so she never slept there but they made her house or excuse me her room very kid-like i guess which it was not before it was dirty and didn't have much in it but now while he's interviewing, saying, I want Katie back, please bring her back. Even though, keep in mind, he's not allowed to be next to her. They had all these, like, like it was Dalmatian stuff, and it was just so made up, you know? It's so sad. Like, why couldn't you do that for her before? That would have been such a cool room to be in. But it made her sick, and it made her angry, because she knew that it was all a lie. It wasn't true. He didn't care. He just wanted the attention. So the police started working right away. Like I said, it was a nationwide hunt for Katie with a $10,000 reward. The police ended up with that suspect list of Marilyn, Linda, Sal, and John. And they went through each person on that list and eliminated them until they got to John. And they were just pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. They were constantly watching him. So he was getting really, really, really nervous. And eventually he goes to Katie and he says that I want to take pictures of you with your eyes closed. But Katie refused. And I was like, I wonder why. I wonder why. And now, obviously, I realize it's because she would look dead in those pictures. And maybe that would get police off his track. He was getting just so nervous because the police were getting really close. So he told her to play dead and she just refused because she didn't want police to give up. Because she knew that they were close. Because she's watching the whole thing. So Katie at this point tried to stay awake as much as she possibly could. 
this 10-year-old was doing this stuff. Like, when I read this story, I think, like, okay, teenager, whatever. No, this is a a 10-year-old, guys. This is a 10-year-old that's realizing these things. She wouldn't eat any of the food food he gave her because she wasn't sure if it was drugged or not. So she just refused to eat and barely slept. She realized that things were not moving or progressing at all, so she tried to come up with other things to kind of push him to let her go or to give himself up. So she started asking questions. He had said that he wanted to keep Katie there his her entire life. And she goes, well, how would I go to school? And he's like, you don't need school. You would just stay with me. And she's like, well, where would I work? And he was like, you know what? I make enough money to support us both. When you turn 18, we're going to get married and that'll be fine. And she she left the conversation at that basically. But I think she thought that she kind of like messed with him a little bit and started to like push his buttons. She also said that she was really, really sick and needed a doctor, which was probably true. You know, like she's not seeing any sunlight. She's probably not eating. So she probably didn't need a doctor. But this is just another thing that she said to push him, push him really hard. So like I said, police are there and reporters are actually on his property so she can see where she they are they're just so close to her but they're not quite there so they looked into his past and they saw that he had the charge of of kidnapping and they were like okay this guy did it but we need proof what can we do and they also um, talked to the arcade workers and they said that he never came in with a kid He only came in the one time and he was alone, which at first I'm like, "Mm, there's a lot of people that go to arcades. And then I'm like, okay, but how many adults go in without kids? That's something you would take note of. So it makes sense. So they didn't have a lot to go off of. They decided to really pour into that phone call and they found some weird stuff. They found out that there were 19 calls before the message was left. And I'm just like, Linda, 19 calls? what? Pick up your phone. I feel like I'd pick up after 19 or I'd block them. I don't know. The fact that she hung up and never, and Linda never spoke with her was a big red flag for the police because Linda did get to the phone. Who knows if she actually like said anything? I don't know, but it was a big red flag. In the message, she used the word kidnapping and kids don't know that word. It's not something that they hear. It's not in their vocabulary. So this was another red flag for police. Somehow, another red flag was that this is an odd situation, was that she got away from a man, a big man, this nine-year-old, almost 10, got away long enough to make not one, not two, but 19 phone calls and then leave a message. That does not make sense. So at this point, they're thinking, okay, this isn't real. This can't be real. This doesn't make any sense. This has to be a staged kidnapping. So they sent the um, recording of the phone call to the FBI and they found that it was fake. I don't really understand this, but they said because there was no background noise, it was fake, which I don't really get, but whatever. Either way, they knew it wasn't real and that's how they knew this is not a real kidnapping. This is a stage setup, whatever something's going on so they started to go through their suspects um first was 
Marilyn, the mother, and the police theorized that she had abducted Katie to get her away from Big John because they knew that obviously Linda had, or excuse me, sorry, Linda, Marilyn had filed charges against Sal for what he did and maybe she just couldn't do anything about John except this. So this was her way of getting her, getting him away. Um, the demanding and uh, controlling godmother, Linda, was second. Um, but they found her, they cleared her somehow. And then the abusive uncle was third, but again, they cleared him. So finally, they really stuck to John because they really felt strongly that he was the one. They just couldn't figure out how to prove it. There was all those reasons with his past and the arcade worker and then his timeline also didn't quite account for all the time that he said. I think police could tell that this man was not a strong person mentally, so they decided to push him until he could br- break oof, until he broke. There we go. So that's when the police stopped a staked did a stakeout, yeah, staked him out, and then reporters came and I think this just stressed him out so much. And that's what they were hoping for. Luckily, it did work. And 17 days, 17 days after he abducted her, he got an attorney and confessed on January 13th of 1993. Police found out where they were, where he was holding Katie and went through the tunnel. The police were absolutely just shocked by her attitude. They described it as just coming home from the movies, all bubbly and upbeat. Which I think, honestly, it's because she had that TV and she could see what was happening. But the police knew that she was going to be such a strong survivor because of this. The police decided to excava- excavate the property excuse me, to see if there were any other like bodies that they could find. Or I shouldn't say any other, but any bodies. Because this just is such a big thing that they assumed you wouldn't start here. You know, it's kind of like insane. They even brought out cadaver dogs, but they did not find any other bodies, so it was his first time. They pulled out that hidden room in the tunnel, and the FBI were just absolutely terrified by the intricacies of this build because it was so complex. It was just scary. Katie had told the police everything that had happened to her, and she was just very calm about it. But when I say everything, I mean everything, including the abuse that she was suffering from prior to this kidnapping. So Linda actually tried to get custody of Katie. And at first, I know you're thinking like, why would Linda seem like she never wanted her? It was probably for money because unfortunately, I mean, I don't know, I guess you could take this either way, but these cases get a lot of attention and I guess they should, but you never know, like victims sometimes just want to kind of be alone and absorb these things. Um, I think Linda thought that she could get a payout for all this stuff. In um, 94, June 16th of 1994, uh, John pled guilty to kidnapping and he got 15 years to life. Um, He did not get charged for the sexual assaults because he did the plea, plea deal, which is gross. I hate when that happens, but sometimes you just got to accept that stuff. Sal was also charged with sexual assault and he got 12 years in prison. Katie was taken out of that horrible situation and she was put into foster care. And at first she thought that she did something wrong to be placed in there, which is so sad. But 
she did get put into a loving and beautiful family in East Hampton, New York. She had two parents and some brothers and sisters, and she was just so blessed to be a part of that. As an adult, Katie wrote a memoir about her experience. Wow, a memoir. I'm having a hard time talking. Sorry, guys. Um, She looked at the situation and saw good from it, which is amazing. She flipped it around and saw that this horrible experience was her way of getting out of her horrible life, her everyday, day-to-day abuse. She finally got out of it and found a wonderful family. She moved to Pennsylvania and she's married with two kids. She's an inspirational speaker. So she's helping other people get through things like this. On September 4th of 2006, John Esposito was found dead in his cell of natural causes. And that's all we need to know about John Esposito. Thank you, Katie, for living your beautiful life. It just makes me so happy to know that she's doing so well. And I hope she continues to do so well. But that was the case of Katie Beers and her wonderful, amazing, positive attitude and her strong will. So inspirational. I hope she's doing just wonderful. If you want to see pictures of the case, it will be on Instagram at YDWK Podcast or Facebook. You don't want to know. If you have case suggestions or anything like that, it's you. No, it's YDWK Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and have a great day. Bye-bye.